Welcome to the System.ca, the art and science of coaching, providing innovative information on speed, power, recovery, wellness, strength, and conditioning for both athletes and active individuals. Podcast. No, actually, no. Seriously, in all in all seriousness, um, Jason, I Jason, uh, I brought Jason on in because I I like uh, his openness, and so I thought he would be a great person to talk to about the idea of running drills because Jason has a much more wealth of experience than I do um, on, on running drills. He's at, he's been a track and field coach for a number of years. And so I'm going to give Jason the floor and we're going to talk about the, what the, where the, why and the how, and I think we're going to try to focus on the the three sort of main drills that everybody sort of knows uh, about, you know, A's, B's, C's, which was, you know, coined by, I believe, Gerard Mach was the uh, Polish uh, sprint coach that used to work with Charlie Francis way back in the day and Ben Johnson. And from that, you know, uh, you know, everybody started doing, you know, the, these drills. And there's been variations of these drills. Jason's definitely going to talk about these things. But let's just stick with the, uh, the low-hanging fruit. So, Jason, floor is yours. There we go. So thank you so much, Yusuf. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I'm excited to be here. Um, it's, uh, it's a little surreal. This is, uh, this is cool to feel like like I have been invited to something um, where people might want to listen to what I have to say. It's great. So I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Okay, so <clears throat> um, this will probably bounce around a little bit, but uh, here's kind of the philosophy that I go with when it comes to drill. First, the first thing is we drill what's necessary um, for the athlete that it's necessary for, right? Not everybody needs to do all of these drills. So I start there always. Right. And then I build off of that. So I have kind of a, <clears throat> a, a three P or a three kind of uh, step approach to how I consider my drills. And it's really considering the three qualities that we need to, that we need to um, bring into our, uh, into, ah, that we need to, to uh, address with our athletes. So that would be for, for track and field athletes in particular, though it can be for other athletes, is posture, placement, or position. We'll use placement for this. And then power. Okay. So what I, at the end of the day, or at the beginning of the day, really posture is, kind of the foundation that you build all this stuff on. You can almost think of it kind of like a door frame, right? If you build a door frame that's not leaning to one side or the other, it's not broken and it's, you know, it doesn't have some weird off foundation. Everything's going 90 degrees, all those kinds of things. Um, and I'll get to 90 degrees in a second. But if, if it's set up well, the posture's set up well, then you can then say, okay, now we can put a door in here and it can swing properly, thus placement. We can place the door on one side and close it on the other and it, and it goes smoothly and all of And then once you realize your posture is set and then you can place the door properly and it can swing as it's supposed to, now you have a solid foundation to implement power, right? So now I can find my door. And it can move well and it ends up closing and it ends up opening or whatever you need it to do. And I can slam it as hard as I, as I, as I can possibly slam it within its own, you know, within the capabilities of that door withstanding the power that I'm able to, to produce. Very, very powerful. 
Um, so that is kind of where I build all of this from. Now, what happens with the drills are that's what I'm looking to be established with those drills. And I kind of build up through my drills and determine, uh, you know, which drill needs to be done to be able to maximize posture placement um, or power. And I found over the years, and I've done every drill. I've gone through the A series. I've gone through B drills. I've done C skips. I've done dribbles. I've done a ton of different plyometric drills, um, all those kinds of things. And I found over time the thing that's most applicable. I've done, yeah. The thing that's most applicable to running has ultimately been that A series. And, you know, when we talk about C, like stuff like C-skips and C-drills, uh, <laughs> just weak. Um, we're doing things like there's two different ways it's actually been looked at. So I was coached by my first my first uh, collegiate coach was a Swedish coach. Her C-skip or her C-drill were kind of a, a variation of a bounce. Whereas you see a lot of people see skip or the C drill being this forward side forward kind of deal. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I'm not sure which is supposed to be ultimately be the thing to do. Um, but I know this. I don't like either of them. Um, because neither of them have a point. You know, doing a variation of a bound is a whole different concept right. and has a whole different quality than basically straightforward running and having right. running kind of uh, kind of specific running application. Right. As far as that front side front kind of thing, it's a cool rhythm thing. You know, it looks cool when you're at a track meet to be able to bring your knee up and bring your ass to the side and all that kind of stuff. And it can have some some rhythmic qualities. It can be kind of a rudiment situation or something like that. But it it doesn't it doesn't and there's some mobility I guess that deals with it with your hip. But outside of that, it doesn't it doesn't do anything. Um, I, I've definitely not found it to be applicable at all. Um, and then as far as the B skip goes, yeah, I've gone in and out. To be perfectly honest, I've really gone in and out. Um, I learned the B skip as really looking to flare that shank or that lower leg, that lower leg, really flare it out a lot and then pull it down. Only to learn as as time is going on, we're just really letting go of the knee that tension. So, sorry, Jason, can you give me one second? Just one second. There's there's somebody at the door. Sorry, sorry. One second. One second. Hold on. on. Sorry about that.
Sorry, man. <laughs> I ordered some stuff from Amazon, and they told me it's going to take uh, – it'll be here by, like, Thursday or Friday. Uh, and it's like the guy's like, like, I get it. Business service is good, but really? Okay, anyways, sorry about that. <laughs> this is live, which is always good. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. So you, you're, sorry, you're, you're talking about bee skips or bees? Yeah, yeah. So um yeah, so uh the whole uh you know letting that the lower leg swing out and all that kind of stuff, which is applicable to running uh to an extent. The thing is that I don't want to overemphasize swinging that shank out. I understand what we're trying to do, obviously, but I don't want to overemphasize that because you don't want people reaching, right? And that's that's a lot of times it tends to happen. That that can happen with a lot of athletes and I definitely don't want to if there's a situation where I think an athlete needs to be skipped um, because they don't have a good, a good physical understanding of, of what that shank is supposed to do when they're running, um, which is kind of, which, which has been kind of rare, right? Because I mean, physics kind of dictates it's going to happen. But there are some athletes who just, that body's not working like that. Um, and so I might just kind of cue that to help them to, I might kind of prescribe that to help them kind of let go of that knee a little bit at a certain point. Um, but that's dangerous. That's dangerous. That can turn into something you don't want it to turn into really, really quick. So I don't tend to be skip. <clears throat> and I definitely don't look to extend that, that shin out, per se. Um, and you'll see, you know, I, I think that people like uh, Will Collins out of Fast University down in Texas, We've done a really good job of, of at least displaying what the what skips should look like. When you see them and you see how how little the shank actually extends out when you're actually doing the drill, um, it, uh, you know it, it's 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 definitely a night and day difference from what we have seen. When people are just really been throwing that lower leg out there. Um, yeah, no, that's, that's not at least not for a sprinter. Right. So you, you, uh, you uh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. So, um, well, you, I mean, do you have a question? I, I just wanted to add a few things, kind of maybe do a little uh, sort of uh, just go, book, go back a little bit here and maybe add a few things and see what you think. So when you talk about posture, are you talking about like static posture or basically we're talking about the posture while you're doing the drill? Yeah, both. And I'm, I'm going to get into that. I'm okay. Okay. And then the other question I have, is so one of the points you made and is rhythm and i'll I'll give you a case in point um remember alan wells i don't remember alan wells alan wells was a sprinter from wales he actually beat ben johnson uh he was a really fast guy at one point and he when ben was coming sort of up up and coming he beat Ben in, uh, I think it was Melbourne or Brisbane for something from Commonwealth Games. And he actually beat Ben Johnson, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was, um, he, I think he competed in the Moscow Games. I can't remember. I think he did well there. But mm-hmm. so one of the training that he did, he did not do, he didn't do any weights. The Allen Wells program does not incorporate any weights at all. I have the book. I have the book. And Margot Wells was his wife that helped coach him. Okay. And and so anyways, one of the things he did to develop rhythm and timing was, believe it or not, a speed bag, boxing. Mm-hmm. 
And then he would do a lot of skipping. Yeah. And that would just develop his timing. And again, it's like maybe that's the bucket that needed to be filled for him uh, versus somebody else. But I'm just, you know, I thought that was an interesting point. You brought that up in rhythm and it reminded me of that. The other thing was um, like before they, you know, before an athlete, you, you know, sorry, work with them. Um, I like to see them walk. I want to see how they walk. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. a lot by extension, the gate, the walking gate will give you indication. Um, two things that would give you an indication of what is missing in terms of uh, sometimes neurological development. And then yeah. also from a perspective of, you know, if the gate is magnified, then obviously then you, you can see the, the inadequacies more so, you know, but you saw them initially in the gate. Right. And I think sometimes coaches don't even just look at how the guy I just give a case, a, uh, a story, just a little aside here. I had a client wasn't an athlete, but he played basketball, but he couldn't play because he had he had scoliosis in his spine and he had he had a particular type of scoliosis, which scoliosis is like a curvature in the spine right and most people do have a a bit of curvature but he also had a rotoscoliosis meaning that the spine was not only like curved but it was also like spiral staircased right right and so this this kind of uh negated him from playing any basketball and stuff and so when when we worked at the gym i worked at this one gym and you'd, you'd have to kind of come down a flight of stairs and walk through this gym uh before you got to my back office and as he's coming down the flight of stairs, I can see him. And then as he's walking, I can see how he's walking. So I kind of just thought that it was odd. I said, okay, I'm going to make this guy. I did my other stuff, but, you know, one of the key things I made him do was walking drills. So can he have running drills? He had walking drills. And I had him do that for about six weeks. And he was referral from another chiropractor. And so I, I had him call, after about six six weeks he uh, I get a call from the chiropractor and so this guy couldn't play basketball because of this condition right he would, would damage his spine he did the chiropractor called me up and says what did you do to him I'm like that was the first thing he said I'm thinking uh oh I'm in trouble now uh, mm-hmm. he said no no he's playing basketball I said what do you mean he's playing basketball he's playing basketball and we did an X-ray eighty percent of the curvature went away wow. so the, the chiropractor called me and says what did you do i said well i'm thinking my looking back at the program i mean you know did a few other a few things but that the main thing was i got him to walk in his basement 50 strides every day in, in this particular gait pattern and that reorganized the muscle patterning the firing which then when you saw him walk now he walked differently and then the, 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 the actual, you know, the, the transference of that basically was actually helped his spine, which is really fascinating. So I'm thinking, you know, going back to what you're talking about, the A's and B's, I mean, how many coaches will go back and look at how the athlete even walks before they even get on the track? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, you know, and I, I do, you know, personally, I do sometimes, especially when I'm but sometimes I don't. You know, and that definitely should be more part of my my process. But when I when I first start uh, applying things, a series kind of comes in because while I might not always go back to basic gate pattern, I usually start my whole process with an a walk, right? <clears throat> Which is not necessarily a gate pattern, right? 
it's, it's definitely different because you're looking for things that are more like sprinting. And when you're watching somebody just go through an A-walk, particularly if you can get them with their shoes off, man, you know, there's so many things that you watch express themselves and you can say, okay, well, here's what we're going to, I know that this is coming because of walking. You know, and so it, it supports what you say. You know, not only are we looking for like like you, the question you asked was, are we looking for static posture, and or are we looking for posture while moving? I, I do want both because once we have posture, can we put posture to power, for, for, uh, so to speak? Once we have an organized spine, once they realize what not being having a hyperlodonic curve is going to look like and everything, you know, being uh, having an extreme anterior pelvic tilt and all that. Once they realize <clears throat> what it is to put three points of contact on the ground with their foot, then can they do it moving? Because if they can't ambulate while they're maintaining good posture, you know, we're, we're, we have a problem. And you'll, we'll see a lot. I just had a young lady last night who we were, uh, were training. And was it last night? Oh, no, it was the day before. It was the day before. And we were just marching. And she's a pretty decent runner. And she was exhausted. She was exhausted. Her central nervous system was exhausted. She was mentally exhausted. Just being able to maintain proper posture while moving forward. She was exhausted. And we ran a little bit and everything. But really, the, 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 part, the difficulty came from maintaining posture over, you know, over a distance. She was only moving 10 yards. She wasn't even running with her, you know. She was going over a yard. We were on a football. And it was killing and you'll see a lot of athletes who are just like, what the heck is this? Why am I so tired? Because you don't spend a whole lot of time standing up. Just standing properly through your hip and then through your spine and through your feet. And so we work that to death, to death. And we'll find, uh, we'll find that once we can establish that door frame, really establish it and being able to establish it over a long period of time, then... You know, then we can really talk about, okay, let's get some really, really good placement. Because once you have good placement, um, so, you know, everything will, will work into that, particularly in off season. <clears throat> if I have somebody really, really quick, if I have somebody for a couple of weeks, you know, well, not a couple of weeks, if I have somebody for a month, six weeks or something like that, we got to do all of this stuff out at the same time. We don't have time to, to go bit by bit because they have certain deadlines that they have to hit. So in certain situations, it'll be, we'll spend a lot of time on posture, we'll develop into placement, and then we'll get as much power as we possibly can out of that. If, it's, if they're really, really bad on posture, I might refer out and say, hey, you need to go see Yusuf because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the show note. <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 the, check, the check is in the mail, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, because the kind of work that that you might need for one, I might not be able. I, I might not have the, the the ability to to apply. I might, you know, that's not what I do, and so I might not be able to say there's there's a, there's a limitation, and we need to be able to work all together in the process. I refer quite a few out because I don't. There's a certain point where it's like, hey, that's that's over my head. I don't do that. Or that's just outside of my wheelhouse. I don't do that. And if I try to do that, I might mess you up. I can touch certain things, but outside of that, go see Yusuf. Go see, you know, I have some people I work with out here. I just tell them to go there. Um, 
And I say, hey, when you're all organized and everything, come on back. Otherwise, there's some things we can work with here that if they're not that big, great. Um, and so we work on that. We work on those that we work through the ages. That's kind of where I start, particularly in the off season. And I go through my process is really, really um, kind of boring, to be honest. And it is what it is. So we go through an A walk and a walk is just walking into that with that high knee position. Um, we take an A walk and we take it to an A march where they're looking to apply more force into the ground. We'll do an A switch. We'll do an A skip. Um, and then we'll, also, and then we'll do, uh, an A run. And an A run will generally bleed into, you know, ultimately running or feels like we're, you know, when you see those athletes, uh, Carmen Jetta comes to mind where she's just marching down the track. We want that, you know, not everybody's going to look exactly like that because Carmen the Jetta is Carmen the Jetta, you know, not everybody's hurt. So we can't assume that everybody's going to look like that, but that's, I think that's a good, a good model, not a good standard, but a decent template. We'll say that. I think it's a good template to be able to say, okay, you know, this is where my positionings are and everything like that. Carmen the Jetta has great body, you know, Shelly Ann Fraser Price. In my opinion, does not. Um, she's still fast, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what her history is. I think she had some. I know. I know she had a baby. And she had a little bit of injury. Um, <clears throat> but you know, I I I'm looking at her and I'm saying, hey, if, if nothing's ever happened as far as hamstring or anything like that has ever happened, I wouldn't be surprised if it will. Um, but you know, <laughs> and then it might never. It might never. I don't know. I, I don't know. We, we we can never tell. But like you were telling me, we were talking about before, I think before we, we got on, we started uh, a podcast. You were talking about, um, what, what did you say? You said the when does a hurricane, when the conditions are right, right? Yeah. When, when, is it, when, when does a hurricane occur? Right? Yeah. When, when the conditions are right, when all the conditions are right. Right. So, <clears throat> and don't get me wrong, a hur- uh, you know, an individual can get hurt in all kinds of different so we don't want to sit up and say, well, immediately, as soon as they're in this position, they're going to get hurt. And that's just how it's going to look. Um, if you get hurt in different ways and have great it's force, people get hurt by, by doing intense things. But you want to make sure an athlete is most organized as possible. You know, the door, the door is probably not the door is probably not going to run into the door frame for the most part if the door frame is organized well. And so that's the same way I want to look at these athletes. So we want to establish that posture really well. And once you have that good foundation, now we know, hey, this is how you can pull your foot, your your foot up through that adjacent tooth. Here's how we can make sure that that arm swings and do that cheek that cheek to cheek motion where we pull up the hand up to the face and pass the hip and all those kinds of things. You're more likely to be able to do that. You'll notice somebody, especially nowadays, we were talking about people being in that, you know, that 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 uh kind of that hunched over position from typing on their phones and everything. That that hyperkyphosis is a is a monster, right? You know? Yeah. yeah. Agree. Yeah. Seeing that people can't put their arms up over their head without leaning backward because their spine is in a really terrible position, you know? And there's only so much that I can do with that. At that point, that's another situation where I have to refer out. Um because you 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 can't get into proper <clears throat> so telling you to be able to swing your arms properly is kind of ridiculous. 
Yeah. So I, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I was yeah. gonna, I was going to add a few things because kind of lends to what you're just talking about was um, so the the um, the point I want to make is make Bruce, Bruce Lee had a saying. He said, you know, I, I don't fear a man who knows ten thousand kicks. I fear a man who does one kick ten thousand times. And so, yeah. going back to this idea of your running A's, like really, and I'm I'm really I, I I'm. I, mean, I would say I'm very happy that you kind of focus on one thing. And the running A's really, I agree too, is, is probably the most fundamental basic drill that most people don't spend enough time because they end up going into all these other drills. Meanwhile, you haven't done that one properly. <laughs> and so you just perpetuate right. the weakness. Keep going. You just perpetuate that, uh, the, that misfiring. The other question I want to bring out is um, these drills will – in, in the way I use them, and you can, I think maybe you uh, alluded to this as well, was the idea that the, these drills sort of bring out a weakness or identify a weakness, which comes yeah. to my next point. Um, you know, the expression is speed or strength, maximum strength brings out weaknesses. So if you can mitigate some of these weaknesses, which comes to the next point, which is basically decreasing injury potential, not prevention. You can't prevent right. all injury. That's a misnomer. We can decrease that. So as you see these uh, distortions show, showing up, as you're going through the idea of a walk, a march, a switch, skip, and you know, you, you're seeing the magnification of these adhesions or weaknesses, which now yeah. comes back to my next point, which is actually you have a lot of tools. Uh, so I give what I what I do first is I, I do my assessment on a client. And that could take, usually there's an injury history involved. Uh, we usually do a consult before that, first of all, to kind of see whether or not I'm the right fit for you and you're the right fit for me. In the consult, yeah. we usually determine injury history and then uh, kind of show the athlete if we do a few things like, you know, I, I call it switches, turning on switches, turning off switches, that whatever I do, does that change your running gate or yeah. walking gate? So very quickly, it's a temporary thing, but, you know, and the idea is once they start going back to, you know, they haven't addressed the patterning, right, fully. So you would then, after that, we do the assessment, and then after the assessment's done, we give them homework to do. And that homework, this is where I'm coming back to, where the idea, you have soft tissue tools, like foam rollers, lacrosse balls. Now, if you use those in a very particular sequence, so I teach my clients how to do all that work. To the point where basically when they come to see me, often before the first session of uh, table work, a good 70% or 50% of those issues are taken care of. At which point now you introduce those drills again. Now, so let's say you, you saw that when you're going through a walk, but you don't see that now going through a walk. Now you get into a march, you still don't see it. Oh, all of a sudden now when you get into a switch, so now it shows you another layer of distortion. Yeah. Now, if you were to introduce that athlete to speed work at that point, going back to my earlier quote, which is speed or maximum speed or maximum strength brings out weaknesses, you're going to increase that. In, you're going to increase the injury potential, which comes back to your point earlier about, for example, Shelly Ann Fraser Price. Now, it's interesting to note that, you know, usually women after they give childbirth, the transverse abdominalis, it all depends on the kid, how big the kid is, too, and, you know, where the kid was positioned, already, you know, prior strength in the abdominals and prior structural integrity of all the abdominal muscles put together. 
sometimes what happens, you see a, tr- a weakness in the transverse because the, the, the stomach basically is expanded to accommodate the, the child, right? And yeah. if, that, if that muscle is not being brought back to an ideal resting tension, you can facilitate now uh, instability in the hip, which basically now the glutes and the hamstrings and the adductors, uh, even the solus, uh, will start to contract. So even though these, these are prime mover muscles, a portion of those muscles will become stabilizers. Because the the the, uh, the tonic muscles are no longer working properly, and so as a consequence of the, the because you're doing the movement, the body has to stabilize something. It has to be able to stabilize internally, and if it can't do that, then it'll use a portion of those prime movers. So within the muscle itself, the belly itself, a portion of that belly is now used to stabilize, and the other portion of the belly is used to move. Well, this is an antagonistic relationship within a muscle. Forget about yeah. the opposing, you know, you, you know, your your glutes and your hip flexors; those are opposing muscles, right? Just forget about that. But within the hip flexor itself, let's say, part of that hip flexor or part of the glute is used now to stabilize the sacrum and and the femur, right? So this, you know, it could be you could be onto something where, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe if you had a look at her more a little bit more detail, like actually, you know, hands on, like you're able to kind of assess a few things. Uh, and then going back to the idea, can you use certain soft tissue tools that's well within your, you know, wheelhouse to tell the athlete, yeah, let's let's have you release a few things, maybe strengthen yep. a few things, go back, do the drill again, you know, and before you even come to see me. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yeah. this is good. By the way, that was uh, I didn't I didn't this for the record. I didn't tell Jason to say that, but he's just being nice <laughs> to me. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no problem. No. And, you know, just a, just a, I, you know, I support you, man. Like, if you guys don't hear it on here, um, Yusuf is a very knowledgeable individual, you know, and I learn a lot from him. And in the event that I start a podcast, I'm definitely going to, going to, going to have him on mine because there are things that, you know, I'm, I'm definitely gleaning, uh, from him in, in terms of stuff that I don't do. And, um, or that I'm just not as knowledgeable. And so, yeah, I would love to be able to 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 bring him out to do that. Um, so he didn't pay me to do it, but it's well, <laughs> it's, well, it's well deserved. He's a very thank, thank, thank you, thank you so much. I appreciate it. That was uh, very kind of you. But anyway, you're going back to this idea of uh, you know you you see these errors and then you're implementing right. the the drill or the I would say <clears throat> the the, uh, the speed at which you do these drills. According right. to what you're seeing. Right. And so what will happen is just to, to support the, the whole thing about, you know, using, uh, you know, SMR or any kind of other tools and, you know, any kind of mobility drills, anything we can do to make sure that we get the athlete organized as we see any kind of issues going on from um, from the walk to the march, et cetera. It's we can faster and faster and more and more powerful with the implementation <clears throat> in the implementation of the drill we might see things happen so yeah that's what we'll do and i kind of like you know i came upon this when listening to dan path um watching some of the office stuff and kind of how they triumvirate of of the training uh team between uh, the the corrective specialist or uh, physio whatever uh, the coach and then the athlete and what they'll do is they'll go through their warm-up, and then as they see stuff that's off, they'll say, hey, go to the physio or go to the corrective or whomever that they may have out there, 
the 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 uh, corrective or the physio will work on you know whatever issues they're having and then send them back into the practice. And that's a that was mind blowing to me. I was like, oh duh, you know, because what will have a lot of times is athletes will be in two different places. They're in two different categories. They're in the category of can't and the category of won't. Right. And so what will happen is if you have an athlete where you're saying, hey, you know, pull your foot up a little bit higher, something like that. And they're trying and they're trying and they're trying. They probably can't. And you'll know this by their personality and you'll know it by what they're doing. And then you'll figure out, like, you know, what you've been doing last night, whatever. And then you'll say, hey, maybe they need to, we have to do some practice. And then you'll have won't. And the thing is that we'll get confused depending on how we, what kind of coach we are. We might get confused and think that can't is actually won't. And this is where you get athletes who are getting yelled at. <clears throat> and there's a lot of reasons for can't. There might be a body issue. There might be a psychological issue. There might be a central nervous system issue, whatever. Can't doesn't mean we yell at an athlete. Can't means we figure out what the problem is and we address it. And that might be some estimate. That might be going to talk to the video, whatever. So once is the athlete is just a jerk, right? <laughs> <laughs> so at that point, it's like, hey, why are you here? If you're not going to do what the coach is telling you to do just because you don't want to or because you're lazy or because you're letting lazy, laziness permeate. Because that's, that's not, let's be honest here. We all struggle with laziness in some way, some way. But a once athlete is not a can't athlete really easy to get those it's really easy to get those confused if you don't pay attention and so what i'm noticing a lot of times is that most athletes particularly if you're a private athlete if you're working an athlete in a private sector who's working with me you're a can you're not a woman because you're not paying to work with me and being a can and so in that situation i have to back you a lot we have to work that a series really really hard and we have to say okay these are the things we need to do and if they're bigger than something that i can handle that's not out um, once we progress through that A series well, and, and what's really cool is one thing bleeds into the next. You can't do, you know, you can't do those walks and not be addressing placement. You can't go into, or you can't go into A marches into A skips and not address, you know, power and not address placement and address power because you're literally looking to place power right at that, um, Right under that center of under that center of map, um, with the foot in your foot place. Now you don't want to stomp down like a psychopath and turn yourself into, you know, a sumo wrestler. But at the end of you want to think of yourself almost as a as a boxer, right? And you want to make sure that that jab hits right at the end. Same thing with your foot. Make sure that that foot hits right at the potential. <clears throat> um, and then be able to, that's the placement of the power as you, as you, as you project yourself forward in space. Um, and from there, you know, we just, we, we let that blend, uh, bleed into the, to the overall run. And that's, that's kind of where we sit. You know, the A series is kind of where we go with that. Now, one thing that's really out, I, I do use things like I use a straight leg run because when it's applicable, because I like to, um, I, I I feel as though, and though the the jury is still out to a point, I do feel as though um, that it it uh it can maximize that high hamstring and that high and that high that hamstring and that high hamstring. 
I want the athlete to think about it. I want them to build a mind muscle connection um, when they're doing that. And it and it if you do it right and you transfer right into the run well, I never do it and just keep it as a drill. I want it to blend right into a run. So they might do it to thirty, depending on where their strengths are. A lot of times they can't do it more than twenty meters, um, and then bleed right into a 20, 30 to 40, 20 to thirty meter run. Um, just to get that those body parts really. Um, I you know I don't want to shock that system when it's time to start acting. So I like to do it if I feel like the athlete doesn't need it, we won't do it at all. Um, but a lot of times I do. Um, dribbles are where really the jury is really still out. I'm really experimenting with them. I can dribble really well. I practiced with it personally for a while, and I'm I'm a good dribbler. But a lot of athletes have a really hard time. And so I'm not really sure. And I get the I get this the sentiment of it, right? We're looking to run without running. Um, we're looking to cycle the, the limbs through um, in a way that's not gonna hurt the athlete. I like using it for athletes who have gotten injured. I think it's a really good introduction back into running. And it doesn't put the athlete in a position where they're going to, I mean. Depending on what the injury is, you can get as excited as you want to get. And dribble still don't tend to get an athlete. Like, it doesn't tend to, to perpetuate the injury. Um, but there's just, a, there's just you can make a mistake. You can mess it up really, really neat. Those hips can drop down. And that posture can go out of the window really, really fast. Um, you know, and... Foot placement is really weird. I've had a lot of people dribbling, and they're really going straight for the heel. Straight for the heel. And while there might be some heel contact with the dribble, it doesn't, you're, we're not trying to focus on the foot on the So because it's so easy to mess up, I don't prescribe it universally. Um, I, I prefer marching more if I can get what I need to get out of that. Mm -hmm. But I, I like to play for myself. I've been playing with it for about a year, both with, with in training myself and in training my athletes. And just how much value it often has. And how much turnover or how much crossover. And I don't know. I don't know. You know, the jury, like I said, the jury's still out. I don't, I don't love the, I don't, I'm not excited about the crossover, but I am excited about the cycling nature of it. I'm not excited about the posture kind of uh, the impact it can have on the posture and losing that that uh, more up and down vertical spine or up and down vertical hip. Um, but like I said, I am I am excited about cycle. So that's where I kind of am with that. Uh, like I said, with C-skip, rhythmically, I can have its place. Mobility-wise, might have its place, um, but I don't love it. Um, so I won't typically do it. I think there's other things that I can do uh, to get some good rhythm. You know, just a skipping is great for rhythm. Um, you were mentioning about uh, uh, was Alan Wells. You were just mentioning right. about that. You know, um, you can do some stuff when you're thinking about coordination, when you're thinking about C skip and everything. I like to crawl quite a bit in the beginning to kind of work on total body coordination. Um, End up seeing a lot right there, just not not just from walking and just doing something a little complicated when they're getting on hands and crawling, and you'll be like, oh gosh, like 
opposite lens, you know, doing that, doing that, uh, uh, doing that interlateral work, right? Um, or is it, sorry, it's a lateral, right? I always get those confused. It's a lateral, contralateral. Right? Is it on opposite, opposite limbs are working? That's just a lateral, right? Yeah, uh, cool. Like, contralateral is basically up, and ipsilateral is the same side. I always get those confused yeah, too. Contra, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah. Contra, yeah, no problem. Oh, okay. we, we know what you mean. Yeah, good, awesome. Um, so working that as far as being down, um, and so. What I'm looking for in the drills is, like Yusuf is talking about, is where I'm looking for if they can do things and if there's issues when they're doing it and if we have to correct those issues. If I'm going down that what, where, why, and how, where I'm doing it is I do a basic warm-up. So I go through a general a general warm-up and then I start drilling. And I, obviously, I want to make sure the body is as prepped as possible before I start would you would you do would you do it on turf? Would you start off with turf first, or or gra I think sort of grass, and then kind of move on to the track? Because obviously surfaces. I mean, I run it by you. Like, I mean, I think surfaces personally might have a play in terms of how because you know this is all about sensation, right? You know, trying to get the right sensation. So, and obviously, you know, you don't want you know impact the whole you know the whole kind of things. What about using the pool? You ever thought about using I mean, just to throw it out? You know. Yep. Yeah, no, I have, and I absolutely, I absolutely do it through the pool. A lot of times, that's in my off-season and pre-season periods. And then, what is it, <coughs> excuse me? What is interesting is thinking about as I've been progressing in my own system, realizing like, hey, we can spend a lot more time in the pool during the season too. But obviously, because the athletes are so good up anyway, so go through competition and everything. Um, we need, we can get a lot less time actually on the track because we're getting a lot of time because we're competing. And we're getting those workouts in, and it's it's embedded in our head. Hey, keep on like pushing the athlete, pushing the athlete, pushing the athlete, and we can still great great qualities and take the athlete out of those impact situations. So I like to use the pool as I as I progress forward. I like to use the pool more and more. I use the pool a lot in the beginning. I use the pool less in the in the kind of that preseason period because um, there's there's more things that we need to do where we actually are working those sensations. And we're working that impact into the ground. But then I feel, I'm feeling like, and I'm finding that I can use the pool more, more in the end season than I actually have been used to. And so I'm, I'm actually implementing more of that right now as I'm speaking. Um, so using it and then considering our surfaces um, in the, in the actual season, those surfaces are used as going to be more on the track than it's going to be on the turf. Um, but during my off season and preseason periods, I use more turf than I do on track. I almost never use sand unless I'm, as far as drills go, I don't, I don't use sand for drills at all. I'll use sand, but not, not when I'm talking about drilling and all those kinds of things. This, this is a different surface. It moves weird. It's not for drilling in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Charlie, Charlie had expression, uh, you, you don't plow a field with a Ferrari. You don't exactly. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. So the idea of running in sand, um, you know, yeah, I get it. It's 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 a surface that basically doesn't give you the right feedback. Exactly. And exactly. I think that's one of the keys there is, is you know as you're moving through these services, right? You as a coach, and and uh, if I can add to what you're saying, and, and you know, kind of maybe just um, or maybe say it a little different way, maybe. 
you know, you're, you're using these surfaces and obviously the drills to give you as a coach feedback in terms of how the body is responding based on not only the drill, but, and then how it's executed, right? Speed, speed of movement, actual movement itself. And then, but also the surface itself is giving the athlete a different sensation. So it's almost like, um, you know, if you go, if you go in the pool, for example, you're going to, you know, you're not going to get the sensation. The, the sensation is almost delayed because even if you wanted to put a lot of force, your foot's not going to come down hard in a pool compared to, let's say, if you, you know, you know, you smack it down and, you know, let it smack down on the track or even on a turf, right? It's, it's not, you don't have that because you're getting resistance through that whole range, whereas you only get resistance upon the impact, uh, and then there's obviously this internal resistance within the joint itself, you know, mobility issues, whatever. But and that's also not the other thing, too, is I guess you want to sort of eliminate that. So there's no internal resistance. You're not you're not doing it with the parking brake on and sum it up for yeah. you. You know, you're not you, you're lifting the parking brake on. So basically and I think this kind of comes back to I, I want to make a little point here um, where you have a lot of, you know, uh, coaches sometimes who who would. You know, and just listening to you here, like, you know, and this is kind of goes to one point before I even talk about that is, you know, would let's say if a coach had a video of an athlete, could you, Jason, coach Jason, look at that and tell the athlete, tell the coach or the athlete, say hired the athlete hired you, hey, you need to work on this or you need to release this. Could you do mm-hmm. something like that? Would you be able to do something like that? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Okay. It depends on the angles that I see the athlete in. It depends okay. on how much I know about the athlete, right? Okay. Um, all right. That you know, what if they have scoliosis and they're doing all these kinds of things, and I'm like, hey, you need the X, Y, Z, and they're like, I don't have, the, I don't have the capacity to do something, like that, right? Right. But the, I mean, so, it is possible to do something like that. Say a coach, and let's say you you had you had the coach sort of call you up and say, okay, and then the athlete were you know, had a three, like I say, a three-way conversation or something, and they, or, the, you know, maybe privately with the athlete first, and then they kind of talk about their injury history, all this kind of stuff or whatever. Uh, and then from there, you can watch them and then different angles. You know, is there something that I'm just, the reason why I'm saying this, and maybe here's a potential plug for you, Jay, because, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can, here's another uh, side business, you know, everything's online nowadays. I'm thinking, hey, you know what? Here's Coach Jay, basically, you know, uh, doing some yep. some of this extra stuff where you know he's you know consulted to uh some of these athletes obviously geography sometimes separates you and the athlete and the coach uh but let's yeah. say guys living in uh you know uh the uh, eastern seaboard and you're yeah. you know you guys can kind of coordinate this way where you sort of look at the athlete i was doing this when i was working with this uh, bahamian runner he, I was coaching him over the internet, so he would videotape his runs, and, and then he would send them to me, and then I would have a look at them, and then we would sit yeah. down together and say, okay, you know what, what'd you feel on that? Because you want to get, you know, sensation feedback from the athlete. What'd you feel doing that compared to, let's say, if we, if we, if we did this, try this out now, how'd you feel there? So the idea is now that you have <clears throat> potential side business here, Jay. Just kidding. Just, <laughs> I thought... <laughs> Getting, but getting back to this idea, um, so you know, you could, you know, like from what I can gather, like you know, this this process is a, you know, requires a level of patience and obviously wisdom on your part, patience on the athlete's part, and wisdom on your part uh, to then, you know, 
see these things too, which is basically what I, I consider these movement patterns. And I only go back, only way, the reason why I'm saying this is because I watched a lot of stuff from Flojo, Florida Griffith Joyner, and um, I forget her husband's name. Oh, man, so bad. <laughs> he was a track star too, but he ended up coaching her. And one of the things he did a lot was he really worked on her running form. I mean, to the point where she was so efficient. I, th- I would consider her the most efficient runner ever, period. I mean, Carl Lewis would probably come close second, but I would sure. consider yeah. Flo- Flores, like she was just so efficient. And I think she wasn't the fastest, but, you know, it com- so this comes back to this idea of putting a bigger engine in prior to laying down this foundation. But this foundation, as you said, takes some time. Like you've got to, you know, you've, you've taken an athlete. You told me like, let's just, you know, this is a, like a division one athlete and you've taken them back to like marching. And she's probably like thinking, okay, I bring my spikes. Well, let's, let's go. Let's bring it up. Let's see. My God. And most more, I think more and more coaches, this is my take. I could be wrong, but I see more and more coaches. I don't hear anybody talking of what you're talking about. And I've watched a lot of YouTube videos. I've seen a lot of guys. They all go back to the easiest thing, which is, okay, let's see your 30 time. Let's see your 40. But they're not looking at, you know, they may look at the form, but how can you correct form? You can measure all these angles. Don't get me wrong. You can measure them. But in the end, that looks good for you. But how is the athlete going to determine, oh, my foot is, my shin angle is 47, should be 45 in full motion? So what are you doing here? You're driving the motion back up here again. But sprinting is an automated movement. I mean, imagine learning how to walk again. You know, if you, you know, I've worked with a few guys who are concussed. You can see their gait is off. They, they almost, the movement comes back up here and then has to go all the way down there. So if you get them to walk, it's not too prob- not too much of a problem. But you get them to run, all of a sudden now they can't sense the ground before they hit it. So now the, the body only reacts upon impact which is too late. And, and walking is a control series of falls. So imagine what sprinting is. So you, you're driving this movement back up here again. So you're telling the athlete, okay, high knees, but I, I like your, 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 this, 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 this methodology. And this is why I brought you on because I think it's something that, you know, coaches too often are trying to show the, uh, the athlete, look, my athlete, you know, went from a four, seven to four, five. Okay, you get the golf clap in the clean way, but you really haven't, you know, maybe you put a bigger engine in the car, but you haven't addressed the mechanics. So there's leaks in the system. Why not just address the foundation? Spend time doing that. And it, and truly, I think, really, if you did that, you spent, you put energy towards that, you would actually see achieve not only a, fast, a, a faster result, believe it or not, yeah. but a better result because you're putting energy that's wasted Back in the system, it's, I think it believes it's the call. It's the law of thermodynamics or entropy, right? There's a lot of energy that's wasted in human movement, and not to mention the internal resistance we talked about earlier. If that is there, well, you can definitely put a stronger muscle in there, and it'll bullet through. But then you're driving, you're telling the the mind to then move that limb, versus a a finger in a hot stove just comes off. Or a, if you want to spin a bicycle wheel, you would hit it at the, le- the, the smallest tangent possible at the right time in its rotation by which now the wheel goes faster. Right. right? 
So I think, you know, this is really, these are really fundamental points, which comes back to this idea of, um, you know, um, you know, this idea of placement. You talked about this where you, a boxer, that's a good analogy. I love that analogy. You know, a boxer that, you know, uh, or I just saw recently a video of Tom Brady uh, actually re- reverse. It's a reverse throw. You know, you know, they have the machine that throws a football. He's actually mm-hmm. throwing a football, getting wedged in between the two wheels. Mm. That's how accurate he is. Uh, and so, you know, this idea of using uh, this, you know, hit the right tar- area. And that comes back to. You, and you initially have to be aware of that area. So you have to slow down the speed, which is a book by Daniel Coyle, and it's called The Talent Code. And in there, he talks about the reason why certain countries are very successful in in uh, in, in in these particular sports, like tennis, for example, uh, or track and field, or certain, you know, is because they take these movements and they chunk it down, and they slow it down, and they break each movement down into the smallest component, and then they start doing it slowly. And then they do that, you know, practice makes permanent, right? So they keep practicing the permanent stuff, the good stuff permanently. So it becomes eventually sort of becomes permanent. Then they add another element of that movement. So pretty soon now, they've got a beautiful forehand swing at speed. So the same thing you're talking about here, where you're starting off with a, you know, going back even further, you know, looking at the posture, just standing, how they stand, you know, how they walk. And then from there, you know, uh, a, 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 a walk, you know, progressively going on. Uh, and where now you basically have now a progressive sort of deeper awareness, which is now you're driving that sensory patterning, keeping it at the reflex level, at the spinal cord level, as opposed to driving it back up to the forebrain, right? Uh, which a lot of coaches I find do that because they, they, they say, well, oh, you're angry, you know, you, you can show all the nice videos and the dart fish and all these things. Oh, look at your shin angle. I mean, it, 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 how's that? How's that affect the price of wheat in China? You know, it, I, I don't I don't really see that translation from that perspective, but I could be wrong. The other thing I want to talk about this idea of um, building. So once you've got this now march or you've got this a walk, you build the endurance for that walk. So maybe do like a longer distance. And then again, starting again from scratch again, the march, you know, uh, the, the switch again, building the endurance before you move over to the next one. Right. Uh, and then finally you get into this. You, you mentioned uh, the idea of straight leg runs. Now I would use the straight leg runs for one reason only to teach them how to use their hip flexors. Sure. That's so they're, lift, they're lifting the leg. Uh, they're using, they're not using their quads but you're using the hip flexor to lift the leg and the leg comes up high enough. So you put a stretch on the hamstring, at which point it just snaps down as opposed to bringing it down. Yeah. Right. So, so this is, I mean, that's the way I would sort of look at it, but I just wanted to add to this, uh, you know, what you're Mm -hmm. saying, it kind of, uh, kind of summarizes a little bit if I can, uh, of what you were talking about. So I just want to add one more thing here before you even get into like, the, the static posture, I mean, uh, the static posture, and you, you've alluded to this, you know, mm-hmm. you, you got to know the guy's injury history, yeah. you know, and uh, that's, I think, a lot of times coaches don't have, and again, maybe it's out of their wheelhouse to a certain degree, but this is where you need to pair up with a physio or 
a massage therapist or something that somebody that is on the same sort of page. So you have to almost interview these people uh, in terms of their their expertise. And because then like, so this idea where you, you you mentioned this, where, you know, at, at, at Altus, you had Dan Path, you had the phys, you know, this is actually very old. This is a very old thing. Uh, ben Johnson used to have um, uh, Valdemar. And before Valdemar, he used to have uh, Mike, Mike Dinku. And, and so it was, it was, it was Ben, it was uh, Mike or Valdemar, Matuszewski, uh, and then you had Charlie as the coach. And then you had, you had a few other people tossed in there. You had uh, Percy Duncan, which was Charlie's mentor. He passed away. God bless him. Uh, but he helped uh, Ben, like when they were having problems, when he was getting beat by Carl in the last eight, 20 meters, you know, he had the good top end speed, which is no problem. The acceleration was like no problem. But then he would lose that last 20 meters. And, and all they made him do at that point was they, from what I remember, is they made him do more speed endurance. And the rest was history. Right. So they, they cut back on the speed work and they tossed that into the speed endurance. And that's how yeah. they got that extra 20 meters when he, he was able to hold it right to the line. Right. Right. But so they had this team and just going, going back to this idea of a team. Right. Uh, yeah. and, and so you had these people. And I think this is something that conditioning coaches, track coaches need to find people of similar thought, even, you know, obviously different discipline, but find of similar sort of uh, qualitative thought where basically we're concerned about how can we get the athlete better here? Um, you know, and, and, and looking at these, this is what I'm finding in the drills. And then is there something that the coach can do with SMR without, so by the time they get to the physio, the physio maybe does a few tweaks here and there and, you know, you're good to go. Right. So I just wanted to add that, add to that. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was, I was gonna, I was actually gonna, I, I, you know, I knew, I knew that the three point, you know, thing was, and I, I wanted it. To be able to work with my um, I have a corrective guy, but it's just not, it's not, you know, it's not the same. Like I want somebody who's really deep in the game. But you know, I knew that there was a three. I think the thing with Altus for me was I, I had never seen that 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 third party on the essentially on the sideline, right? Right. You know? right. And that's cool. like I didn't know that that was going on. Um, and I found that out, you know, I don't know, five, six years ago. And I was like, man, that is so, that is such a dumb thing for me not to think of. Like, that makes so much sense that you have yeah. somebody there right, right then and there. Because track and a lot of sports overall, but really track is such a, you know, you have a fascial adhesion here. You have a, a weird thing in this joint over there or whatever. And it's right away. It's like your whole session is gone and you can get hurt, whatever. It's like, hey, if you can get somebody if you can't do it with SMR and you can't do it with any of your prescriber uh, uh, correctors right then and there, you have somebody, you have a professional available right then who can address that stuff and send them back into the game. Oh my gosh. And then they're good. They're like, yeah, feel great. Let's go. You know, that's, that's, that's a, that's a so, game changer. So let's say if you, if we should probably definitely do a podcast and not a lot, I think there's a couple of things that I do. Uh, I, so I teach my clients how to do very specific SMR based on the assessment, what I see, right? And then there are particular yeah. there are particular stretches that I start them off with, and these stretches yeah. are 
there's like a, a sequence of stretches I take them through and they, they progress into more what I call complex stretches, which basically now is stretching not just one isolated area, but they're stretching like, you know, for example, uh, what we call a V splits, you know, you're into V splits, right? You're sitting upright, you're in a V splits. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you, if you kind of lean over to one side, the typical scenario is you would feel it in the hamstring yeah. on that side. However, yeah. it, it will also show you here, the, so often you'll find the adductors on the opposing side are tight. As you lean yeah. over to your right, your left adductors are showing up. Yeah. And so this, this is a thing I, with, with stretching. I, I have a little pet peeve in one sense where basically I think it's misused a lot often. So people will stretch for the sake of stretching which is okay in one sense, but why not use the stretch if it's held passive enough, let's say a, an intensity of two or three out of 10, and it's held for a longer duration, like two minutes up to five minutes sometimes, and let that stretch, it's like cotton candy. If you're at a, if I gave you cotton candy, I told you, Jason, I want you to take a piece out without ripping it. Well, if you didn't do that, you would just grab it and pull out a chunk, right? But if I told you to do it the way I told you to do it, you would hold on to it and then you would pull it out ever so slightly and you would feel some of the slight, you know, tensions in the cotton. So you would almost change your, you know, hand position or force, at which point now you can elongate that tissue. So when you hold a stretch for that period of time, it will identify an area of adhesion, which then you use the appropriate soft tissue then to release it. And then you go back maybe into the drill or you go back into the stretch. So it's just, it's just trifecta. You're going back and forth until you right. get a level of compliancy in the tissue and yes. sensation in the athlete by which the movement now, when the foot strikes the ground, it springs back up as a consequence of a normal gait cycle as opposed to, you know, running like baby elephants. Right. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how kind of I would use it. I mean, it's somewhat difficult to explain over our medium, but uh, I yeah. use stretches then to identify and then use the soft t- teach the client how to use the SMR and the variety of tools. Uh, even some of my clients who are a little bit more mature, they can handle it. I teach them how to use the Gaucher tool, uh, which is like Graston. They call it over here in North America, but uh, or, or the cupping. Sometimes a combination of the two, you release that adhesion really, really quickly. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go back into the drill and you and, and basically what, so if you did this, let's just say hypothetically, I, it's very possible. And I've done this on, on, on numbers, number of athletes where you can accelerate that learning curve, which point now a guy is running four five, he's running four three now in, in a very short period of time, mm-hmm. because you've, you've put back this inefficiency back into the system in the right order. So instead of yeah. putting a bigger engine in, why not look? And often what I've seen, more often than not, athletes need this work, what you're talking about, not putting yeah. a bigger engine in, not doing all the speed work, the acceleration, which is all good and fine and dandy. But if those elements are not there, those elements will be magnified. And it's just a matter of time before the paperclip analogy, keep bending it, keep bending it, something happens. So here's your injury potential increasing. Yeah. Right? Makes sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, 
you know, no, just kind I mean, of go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I mean, it, it's it's such a simple concept, but it's not sexy. You know? Yeah. There you go, right there. That's, that's it. The it thing takes that, time. It takes time, and it's like you know, you're telling this athlete, a Division One athlete or a top level football player, dude, I got to take you back how to walk properly. Yeah. Or I got to, I go, or I got to take you in the pool. I had a guy, I had a guy on my, he's on my testimonial list and he was kind enough to give me a testimonial and he was a 400 meter runner. He came to me six weeks before uh, what we call the the Ontario high school championships. And so he Mm -hmm. was working with his coach, but so I said, get get the program from your coach, but we're going to do it all in the pool in the deep end. He, He came with a knee problem and the knee problem was exacerbating to the point where he couldn't run on the ground with it. So I said, oh, let's take you out of there, put you on a different medium which you talked about, I had him go through, I did my, my, my soft tissue work on him, taught him how to do some stuff on himself. And then he would come to my, my, my facility twice a week. And I would work on these areas of creating the right tension pattern in the right place. Yeah. He went from four weeks from the, from the, in two weeks, he went from the deep end into the point where he was up the water about right here. And then from there, we transitioned him onto turf. And then from turf after about five weeks, he was on track. On the sixth week, we unloaded him, and then he ended up doing, he knocked out three seconds, I think, in his PB. Uh, had he done that time in the finals, he would have won a gold, but uh, that's the difference between an amateur and a professional. You know, he said, he told me he was, his legs just turned over. Like, he's basically spent his marbles in that heat, and, uh, but he ended up getting third, which is not bad. It's, uh, you know, uh, bridesmaid, not a bride, but uh, he'll, he'll take it. But he, you know, the fact that he knocked off, you know, three seconds off his PB, and that could have won, could have been the, you know, winning time. It yeah. was a, it was a shocker for him, and he said the run was so effortless. Which yeah. comes back to this idea of putting back the inefficiency in the system, being patient. So, uh, you know, I'm gonna put a plug out for you, Jay, because uh, I think guys should get a hold of you. And maybe you learn a few things. I'm learning a lot of stuff here. I'm, I mean, I, I, this is what I did for myself, you know, what you're talking about here. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, you know, it's good to see somebody sort of having that kind of patience and, and nurturing the athlete and not having to get them ready to, you know, two weeks. Okay, you got, you know, like you could do it. <laughs> but I mean, really, it's like these these things take time i mean like you know these patterning things you got to go through you got to start off the basics keep working people keep working to the point where basically you know you have now a a decent level of movement that is efficient and is as the efficiency increases you rob peter to pay paul you take away from the injury potential you put it back in the system wow all of a sudden now time decreases without increasing effort that's a new concept (laughs) why work harder when you work smarter (laughs) right exactly it's so so, it's yeah it's so simple just not sexy you know but it is what it is what and you know what i found is as we get as athletes get better at that as they get better at feeling what it's supposed to feel like and they're running and like you're saying hey i just ran faster than effort what is this and I have, I've lifted, I do body weight exercise, you know, like, how am I getting better? And it's like, hey, you just need to get organized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And I, I, I think, uh, you know, that kind of sums up a lot there. It's like people think they have to get and, – and listen, we're not taking away uh, from, you know, the weight room. We're not taking anything reality from that. I'm just saying that has – like, unless you're a power lifter or, you know, Olympic lifter, even with that said, I mean, you look at how, look how mobile and explosive the uh, the uh, Olympic lifters are. Doing a snatch is not an easy move. I mean, I mean a big guy like Talika Hatze, I mean, that guy – you know, he's got over yeah. 400 pounds and he's snatching yeah. it and he has that kind of flexibility where you see big guys, you know, in football, they can't move. Now, obviously, they have other distortions. That's just kind of put that out in the mix. So they, that definitely kind of limits their movement to a certain degree. Uh, yeah. They don't have the same sort of car impact. I call it car accidents every weekend, so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. But having said that, sometimes then with that said, then wouldn't it be better to work that that person in, in a drill that basically they can benefit from based on the structure and the integrity of their body versus yeah. adding, you know, uh, an external load. Meanwhile, the body hasn't, you haven't addressed the internal load resistance patterns, you know? So yeah. I think, I think, you know, um, to sum up, I mean, if you, uh, I think this has been a really good learning, uh, you know, uh, talk on on the use of drills because I think these are things that I see all the time in the internet. You know all these drills, and I think the key takeaway is like you know what, just focus on one drill, but work it at different stages. And I think the A drill, I agree with you, is probably the most fundamental and probably the easiest to teach, as opposed to some of those other drills which require the A, the A drill to be intact at a certain level yep. and speed. Yep. So instead of progressing. And can you make progression? Can you improve your speed just by doing the A drills? I think you can. Maybe that's just better to do one thing really well uh, and then to do 20 things half, you know, and then confusing the body. Because I think when you add those drills in uh, that are not done at a proper because the, the drills themselves, the body's trying to kind of figure, well, what are you doing to me here? I'm going to I'm going to tighten up. So you drive this movement back up here again. And yeah. the whole idea is to drive it at the spinal level where, where, where sensation precedes movement. That's what speed is. That's what I was taught speed is. So, you know, like you just said, I, that run felt easy. Wow. So who cares about the time? Who cares about the time? But how did it feel? Because you can always increase the time, decrease the time as long as that sensation is still there. Yep. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, anything? So, any parting words right now? How working? Where can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you can always, like I was saying, I, I left my phone number last time. I'm going to do it again. Can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> so shoot, shoot me a text to let me know that you're you're going to reach out before you just call me. Then I'll good idea. Yeah, so you can reach me at area code 562-335-5639. My name is Coach Jason Hitchens, a.k.a. Coach Hitch. I'm in Southern California, so think about the time difference if you're going to call me from New York or something like that, or Canada, right? Um, you can also find me. I just, I just, I don't like social media very much. Um, I am on LinkedIn. You can find me at Kiro. Uh, Sprint and Hurdle Academy. Um, but I do have an Instagram. I just don't really use it, but I might start using it soon. 
And I have uh, some digital stuff that will be coming out eventually. It does look like I'm probably going to be starting a podcast. Um, and so look out for that. Uh, it'll be under the Hero Academy kind of banner. Um, so, yeah, look out for that. Just look out for me. And, yeah, you have my phone number at this point. Yeah. What, what's, your, uh, what's the number again, Jace? 562? 562-335-56. All right. So I'm going to put that all in the script and hero sprint and hurdle Academy. Uh, And factor in guys, he's in Southern Southern California. So if you're calling from, uh, you know, the East coast there factor in the three, four hour time difference, depending on the time of the year. And Jay, Jason coach hitch. It's been a pleasure. Got to have you back on again. Uh, maybe yeah. talking about some of the uh, the soft tissue stuff that maybe you use, to, uh, you know, as you see weaknesses, maybe, uh, and maybe yeah. talk about common weaknesses. I'm sure there's probably things that you see, you know, All pretty much every day. Yeah, it's like seeing this, been there, done that kind of thing. So I think maybe those are the kind of things that uh, coaches can use. So, uh, and if coaches, uh, you know, want more information, I think they should get in touch with Jason. Uh, and maybe send a video of their athlete. I'm sure Jay would be a comp, you know, uh, would be happy to entertain that, uh, business uh, model where he's looking at videos and you can probably give you his two cents worth. Uh, I think that would be a good thing for coaches to do. Uh, I might just take you up that on my, I might take you up on that myself because I, I'm always looking for somebody. I I can never look at my, I'm worried. I I can never position my camera properly. So I got to maybe get somebody to videotape me and then, you know, send it off to you and see, tell me what you think. It's like, give up, yeah. get another sport, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you were running a seven one like a year and a half ago. I don't think you need to get another sport. No, I think it's because, uh, the, the engine was bigger, my friend. At this point in time, I'm not concerned about the time. I know there's yeah. a lot of inefficiency. I've been working a lot on the inefficiency. So my time is definitely dropped because of that. I've been working on the actual running aspect as much. But, uh, yeah. again, it's like uh, it was getting to the point where, okay, I can tell it's not becoming safe. I just felt the sensation, you know, like, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm min- mitigating that injury potential as much as I can. Worst comes to worst, you know, you live and fight another day, but you don't get injured. That's what I always tell myself. Sometimes you, you don't do that good time that day, but who cares? You come back two days later, you can, at least you can run again. You don't have to worry about injuries. And I think that's a big thing for, for athletes to kind of keep that in mind that, you know, not every day you're going to set a PB. I mean, to set a, just to get to a level one peak, I think it takes you roughly around 250 days just to get to your closest to your PB, you know, and, you know, so don't try every day. It's going to be, uh, you know, a four, uh, a four, two every, every time you do a 40, you know, again, this, we can maybe talk one day about how do you peak for an athlete? How do you peak for, uh, some of these things? It's something that we could definitely, Yap, sure. yeah, yap about. So, uh, with that said, I'm gonna sign off, and I appreciate uh, Coach Jason taking the time of the day to to share his information, wealth, and knowledge. I think going back, the three P's: posture, placement, and power. Like that. All right. All right. All right. Thank you so you t- much. Pleasure. My pleasure. It was all my. It was all mine. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. All right. Alright. I was gonna stop recording. System.ca podcast disclaimer. We're not here to tell you that we know everything. 
just we're just here to present possibilities. The information presented is by no way intended as medical advice or as a substitute for medical counseling. The information should be used in conjunction with the guidance and care of your physician. Consult your physician before bringing, beginning this program as you would with any, any, any other exercise physician program. If you choose not to obtain consent of your physician and or work with your physician throughout the duration of your time using the recommendation given, you are agreeing to the, accept full responsibility for your actions. By continuing, you recognize that despite all precautions on the part of the system, the art and science of coaching, there are risks or, of injuries or illness which can occur because of your use of the aforementioned information. And you especially assume risks and waive, relinquish, and release any claim which you have against the system the art and science of coaching, or any of its affiliates, as a result of any future physical or illness incurred in connection with, or as a result of, the use or misuse of this information given. All rights reserved, no part of this publication may be reproduced, distributed, or transmitted in any form or by any means, including photocopying, recording, or any other electronic or mechanical methods, without the prior written permission of the system, the art and science of coaching, except in the case of brief quotations or body and critical reviews and certain other non-commercial uses permitted by copyright law. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the content, please hit the subscribe button. Check out thesystem.ca for more information on services and more content like this and also products. Take care.